Are you tired of hearing mental health from a superficial view and want to hear about realistic views? Well, you come to the right place, a space where healing is central, but also normalized. Your hosts, Donika and Myra, who are in the mental health field, will explore topics to help promote healing in your everyday life. Through our podcast, you will get the real and the work to focus on your healing. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Hey everyone, we're we're back with the episode, another episode of Black Women Healing Podcast, and today we have another very special guest. Her name is Alana Gardner, and she's a marriage and family therapist. Um, but we're going to get into her bio in just a sec. But y'all know we always start off with a random scenario. So, um, Alana, are you ready for this random scenario? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, let me think. <laughs> she's the okay. first guest to ever just say yes how did you notice that yeah <laughs> she's right <laughs> listen you just gotta jump right into it you know <laughs> right um so if, if there was only one person right who could cook for you for the rest of your life one person, who would that person be that you would want to cook for you? Oh, man. You know what? You know who's coming to mind? And I don't know whether or not it's because she just mentioned her on like a recent IGTV that she did. Um, but I'm going to say I would probably have Patty LaBelle cook for me for the rest of my life. Because I know that she can make like the good, like, soul food like good stuff but I also know that she probably can make some really healthy meals too it's like a good balance of both so I'm gonna say Miss Patty LaBelle wow that's funny because that's what I was thinking oh that's awesome we can. yeah like she's not gonna say Patty LaBelle and then you said it and I was like I don't know if you noticed but I was like what <laughs> no Miss Patty Patty you know you get, Patty, <laughs> you get probably a really great garden salad for sure that sounds good. Um, I think I would choose my grandmother, my mom's mom. Woo, she cooks everything. You don't have to worry about her um, not like forgetting. She's going to cook everything and she does it with ease and it's delicious. So I'm going to have to pick my granny. Hands down. She she go cook breakfast. She go cook lunch. She go cook dinner. She going to cook it all. Yeah. Like, you know, you ain't got to tell her nothing. Right, and the hope is to learn learn in the um, in the midst of because I'm I know I'm still upset that I I'm I wasn't you know when you're younger you're not paying attention as much but so yeah. now that I'm no longer living in the same city and I can't really be around her I wish I would have paid attention to her cooking yeah I feel that definitely it's never too late to ask for recipes though. What'd you say, Mara? It's never too late to ask for her recipes. Oh, I got them, but it's different. You cannot, <laughs> black black grandmothers and recipes is not a thing. Uh, <laughs> so. It's be seasoned until the ancestors say stop. That's why. <laughs> That's it. And she'd be like, no, it's just, she tells me, she'll give me an exact recipe. I'll make it. And it does not taste the same. And I tell her, and she'd be like, well, that's what I do. And I'm like, you're missing something. You have to be. You just, you're not, you're not thinking. You're missing something. So. <laughs> You got to be there. I, I got to be there to learn. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're going to go ahead and jump right into Alana's bio. 
Alana is an MFT and can be described as a compassionate individual relationship therapist specializing in improving their relationships and quality of life with her clients. She has developed expertise with individuals and couples going through life transitions, adjustments, or crises. Couple and premarital counseling and anxiety disorders is also another, another one of her specialties. Alana graduated from LaSalle University with her BA in psychology. She then gained experience as a group therapist with Warren E. Smith Health Systems and Joseph J. Peters Institute in their partial hospitalization programs before attending and graduating from Thomas Jefferson University. Prior to receiving her Master's of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy with a concentration in sex therapy, she interned with the Council for Relationships at their university city and Institute for Sex Therapy offices, growing her experience in anxiety, systemic, and sexual issues. Alana utilizes various therapeutic disciplines like cognitive behavioral therapy and positive psychology to help her clients examine their problems and improve their situations through therapy. She provides a safe, warm, and inviting environment for her clients to share and move forward with their therapeutic goals. In her spare time, Alana is an avid writer, blogging for a relationship and self-improvement websites like The Urban Realist. So that is our guest, Alana. Alana, can you tell us a little bit about you and tell us about your journey to becoming an MFT? Yeah, so um, I think my journey to becoming an MFT really, it, it's one part, I think, divine intervention and one part just kind of like falling into into like, you know, things that I'm naturally good at. I think growing up, I've always been like a listening ear for people and, you know, a, a natural sort of like um, guiding light for folks. And for me, I think when I was in college, I originally wanted to be a physical therapist and I ended up doing like an internship, found out that that was really not for me and ended up having like a whole bunch of like psychology courses under my belt. So I was like, I'm going to just transition it to doing psychology. And it wasn't even until I think my last semester of my senior year when I really was like, all right, I understand what it is that I want to do with this degree, right? Um, and it was a, a human sexuality course and they were talking about sex therapy. And for me specifically, I wanted to work with um, people who have had some level or some sort of like um, sexual trauma in their background because I had a lot of friends, specifically black women in my life that um, I personally knew they had gone through something and I saw how poorly supported they were through that process. You know, so either they had family members who were dismissive about, you know, their sexual abuse, or they had family members who kind of blamed them for, you know, sexual traumas that they experienced, or they experienced like sexual trauma from their family members. Mm -hmm. And so after graduating, I worked in the two partial hospitalization programs. And it just so happened that the second one, JJPI, Joseph J. Peters Institute um, here in Philadelphia, um, was a... a you know, their main focus was working with either offenders or people who are survivors of sexual trauma. Mm. And um, I initially, you know, applied to kind of work with the individuals who uh, were, you know, survivors of sexual uh, trauma, but ended up with the offenders, which I think was not something that I planned, but it was a really great, um, it was a really great insight into you know, kind of a lot of offenders, I think, don't just don't just wake up one day and say they want to be a rapist, you know, or at least these people, they were people who had, you know, compounding sort of mental health, you know, issues. Mm -hmm. So it was like bipolar disorder, 
um, you know, things like that, schizophrenia. It was interesting hearing their stories and hearing how they were also very much unsupported and it, it came out, unfortunately, in this way, you know? Um, so it, it kind of gave me an, an, an idea about how just so many people are just not supported in terms of, I think, you know, when it comes to like experiencing sexual trauma or having some sort of, you know, molestation or violence kind of happen to them um, in their lives. And I think from there, I was drawn to the Thomas Jefferson um, program because they also had that concentration in sex or that sex therapy track. And so I really jumped into that and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, you know, I found myself kind of, you know, leaning towards uh, this program specifically for that, but I'm extremely thankful for being a, you know, having gone to a marriage and family therapy program specifically. Wow, that is most definitely a journey and kind of shows that a lot of times we kind of don't know, right? We just, we just, we get into our experiences and then that's kind of how we figure out what we're destined to do. So mm -hmm. cool. thanks for sharing that. And um, so listeners, today we will be focusing on Black women in like the intertwine of therapy and fitness. Um, and so as you can listen already, Alana, she has a lot of, a lot of great experience and we could have spoken today about so many different things but we thought this was a great topic and time to talk about like fitness and how they're due to the quarantine but also just in general so um with that being said alana how would you define fitness and is there such thing as being too fit um well i guess you know also i'll before i jump into that i'll give my background i guess in terms of fitness because i am also a fitness professional here in, in the Philadelphia area. And I have my own history with, I think, um, my body and fitness and wellness and well-being. Um, for me, I've always been physically active, but what ended up happening was that I had a, a congenital heart defect that I didn't know about. And um, because I didn't know about it, and even with all the doctor's visits, it, everything kind of came up inconclusive. And so I would have these random bouts of like fainting um that would just sort of happen whenever I was like physically active and it really wasn't until I think my again I, this this tends to be a theme I guess my my year of grad school that I ended up um running a race and collapsed at the finish line and ended up having a, a massive heart attack and had to undergo open heart surgery as a result of it wow. and from there um, you know, I think I, I really sort of, you know, began to understand more the power that fitness has in terms of also, re, you know, reclaiming, I think, your, your my, you know, my identity as like a, as an athlete, um, term myself like the emotional athlete. Um, and I think that that's a good uh, sort of blend of who I am as a person. So it's the athleticism, like physical athleticism but also the emotional athleticism as being a therapist. And so for me, fitness has been something that's been empowering, but I think also working in fitness, I can see how people can, I think, be too fit or, or have the mindset, or I think have a distorted view of fitness and the distorted being. So for me, you know, fitness is not just, I think, the physical aspect of it. I'm looking at it for a framework of something that's more holistic. Mm -hmm. Physical wellness, 
your emotional wellness, your mental wellness, spiritual wellness, and therefore your relational wellness. So I like to think of your fitness as something that's holistic, right? The body is just one part of, I think, accessing that whole uh, whole being, right? That the holistic view of it. But it might be more, you know, mental or emotional, or it might be spiritual, or, you, you know, you might find, you know, your gateway into fitness through, you know, a relationship. But I do think that there, you know, I've definitely seen that people can have a very warped idea and um, disordered sort of thinking and behavioral patterns, unfortunately, with something that is so helpful and good as fitness. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Um, and what ways can healing tie into fitness? I think healing can tie into fitness. Um, you know, you can really use fitness as a way of tapping into the body, right? I think, you know, there sometimes there are people who are more what we would call bottom up. So meaning like I'm able to tap into my emotions and into my mental and therefore get a better understanding of myself through doing something physical, right? So when you think about something like yoga, right? There's a lot of yoga is nothing but a practice of sort of, you know, twisting and contorting and putting your body in positions that you have to hold, mm-hmm. and that you have to transition into and out of, which I think is a really great metaphor, you know, really great example of life, right? We are constantly in a state of transition and how some of those transitions might be easier for us. Like, it's very easy for me to go in from, you know, downward dog to plank, right? Whereas for other people, it's very exhausting, or it might be physically, you know, trying and enduring for them to go from downward dog to plank. Mm-hmm. And, and really a journey throughout that processing, and it may notice about your body, and therefore you're noticing more things about yourself emotionally when you're in those various positions. Or in my case, you know, um, when I do cardio, you know, cardio used to be something that was like a anxiety provoking for me. And now it's something that is uh, more of a release for me now that I have the heart issue corrected. And so I'm able to kind of tap into myself deeper as I run or as I, you know, do a spin class or as I physically put my body through stress. Um, that's not going to be the case for everybody because there are some people who are a little bit more top down. So they might be a little bit more cerebral and feel, you know, that like that's a better gateway for them. Um, but for some of us, we need that physical release in order to allow things to kind of come up for us emotionally and mentally. Definitely. And I know when we had originally contacted you back in April, um, you had mentioned to us that you were hosting a yoga and mental wellness retreat. And I was hoping that you could just give a little blurb about that for our audience. Yeah. Um, well, first blurb is that that didn't happen due to due to Miss Rona. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, really, the the yoga mental wellness retreat was trying to embody and blend those two elements of the physical component as well as the emotional and the mental component, right? Mm-hmm. For me, because I've had so much of, I think, a personal experience as well as a professional experience with allowing people to tap into their bodies and their breaths through movement, through guided meditation, through breath, right, breath work, that it really allows for a certain access point to the physical body, or not to the physical body, but the the mental and emotional body. And when you're physically moving in such a way, 
and you're being intentional about your physical movement and you're kind of making that your daily practice and following it up with some level of mental or emotional, you know, wellness or reflection, it just is that much more impactful for people. Most definitely. Um, what are some misconceptions about Black women in fitness that you can think of? Hmm. I think some some misconceptions, I guess, about Black women in fit Black women in fitness is I think like, you know, Black women don't want to work out, mm. or Black are are really working out just for the physical component of it. Like, oh, you know, mm. I want to waste but I want to lose my butt or you know just really you know things like that and I'm not saying that that you know there aren't you know women out there who care about their physical appearance and that there's anything wrong with that but I think there's way more or and or and what really goes overlooked is how many people actually black women actually utilize fitness as a way for them to I think be a, a release for them emotionally or mentally or be something that you know allows them to prioritize themselves or their self-care or their mental and emotional well-being it's it's a way of filling their cup up and i think um unfortunately in the fitness industry we tend to only kind of look at it from one lens and even and that lens even grows even smaller when you put it on black women mm-hmm. you know so whether that be the lack of representation or whether that be um the the types of workouts that we think black women are only going to do or only going to want to do right um there's there's black women who do yoga there's black women who are runners Mm -hmm. you know there's women who power lift Mm -hmm. and you know it's unfortunate that i think you know we're stereotyped and probably pigeonholed into doing probably only a few workouts or seeming like we only want to do a few a few um type of workouts instead of being like no there's black women who do a plethora of things and you know it's not just like you know yoga is like a white woman thing or spinning is a white woman thing like you know we're we're here and and you know we're we love doing it yeah that makes me think of two things the first one it makes me think of is like black women in their hair because I know for me personally when my hair is in a fresh weave I don't want to go run because when I run (laughs) I like to run to sweat and I yeah, want that's, to do a hardcore workout in. I don't want to sweat out my weave I just paid a hundred dollars for. So, that's real. Yeah, I think that's an, uh, what'd you say? So that's an investment. <laughs> uh-huh. And then it's an investment to get a good headband that's gonna absorb the sweat. That's a whole nother yes. story. Does that yes. even work? I thought that don't even work. Like I, I haven't bought one though. <laughs> you know what? I haven't even tried Nicole Ari Parker's um know. Yeah, I haven't tried it. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm also a natural girl. So I'm like, listen, there's no such thing as edges laid in, in my <laughs> But you know what, Delana? Me too. I usually have my natural out, but this is what my mindset will be like. I'll be like, okay, I got these twists. It don't matter if I twist, if I flat twist my hair, it doesn't matter if it sweats. It's going to dry and it's still going to be okay. But then on the days that I untwist my hair, I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want this, um, this twist out to be messed up today because if I do if I work out it's yep. not going to be a big old fro or it's not going to be the same the next day versus if I yep. did work out that day so then my brain kind of like I work around like my hair which is like Myra said something we do think about though yeah mm-hmm. 
Um, I also wanted to touch on, so I'm in a group and it's for black yogis. And I think it's super dope just being in those spaces. So listeners, if you're listening to this and you're wanting to try something out, you can go on Facebook, type in whatever you're interested in. And you can type in black at the beginning if you want to see other black women who look like you. And these groups are like super supportive. I love being a part of them. So mm-hmm. yeah, those, that's a great way to, I think, foster representation and connection. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, a lot of, uh, unfortunately, a lot of studios, there's either, you know, one other person of color who teaches and they might not even be black. Um, and, and again, no shade to anybody who's a, a non-black person of color. It's just, it's it's really powerful to see someone who looks like you doing the things you do you know it's it's like a it's like visually giving 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 you permission Mm -hmm. i think i can say the same thing about when i have a black therapist yeah completely it's like i get comfortable in my chair and i just sink into the chair versus other therapists i'm just like what are we going to talk about today like it's a completely different posture so yeah Because, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to code switch. Um, You know that you don't have to sometimes have to overly explain something. That's a a cultural difference. You know, it's just that that state of knowing and that state of being and therefore knowing, you know, without having to explain. For sure. Yeah. Um, I know you kind of told us a little bit about your kind of like finished journey, but just um, I'm going to ask a question. How did you get started on your fitness journey and how have you been able to be consistent? So I I think, to be honest, I think fitness has always been something that I've been drawn to. It's always been something that's in my, in my you know, my blood, I think. You know, a lot of my um, family members on my dad's side of the family, they're physically active and they also work in healthcare. And like my earliest memory, I think, with fitness was doing like, a, my dad had bought me like a Barbie workout video and I used to do that thing religiously um and say it again I had that too I was obsessed with it (laughs) was that with um what's her name Jennifer Love Hewitt is in the background doing like the the workout moves with this sort of uh fake Barbie Barbie's yes I love that man I love that workout um my dad probably still has it at at the house (laughs) on VHF but, um, you know, those are some of like my earliest memories with fitness. And I think because I was a person who was limited or felt limited in what they could do physically because of this looming heart issue that I didn't know about, um, for me, it made me that much more intent in, my, in, in, in moving my body and learning my body and developing a relationship with fitness. And so uh, it really was when I got to college that I was like, I'm just going to take fitness into my own hands because the system or the, or the medical system um, isn't, is kind of failing me, you know, whether or not it, they're failing me because I'm black or because I'm female or because I'm young and they didn't think about my heart. Mm. There's so various reasons as to why, you know, this issue was missed, but it was missed. And um, for me, I was like, you know, I'm just going to take my health into my own hands and, you know, really uh, feel empowered about, you know, learning my body and caring for my body. And then that even, you know, showed up after I had, you know, open heart surgery to correct the issue. I was determined to get back to feeling powerful in my body and feeling strong in my body. 
and feeling uh, limitless in my activities. So um, I, for me, post-surgery, it was definitely, you know, challenging, you know, that I felt like that was the hardest part, maybe not the fitness, but the mental and emotional piece mm-hmm. that comes such a dramatic life change happened to you and have to having a physical trauma like open heart surgery happened to you. Um, it's definitely something that I wouldn't take back, but surgery is, tra- is traumatic period, even if it goes well, you know, it's surgery is something that ne- isn't necessarily supposed to happen to the body. Right. Um, so for me, what ended up happening was that I became like a indoor cycling instructor. I used to teach with flywheel and I taught there for, uh, four years, um, up until last year. And I utilized indoor cycling as the vehicle to allow myself to find myself through, through this activity, which then, you know, with working in the fitness industry, you then gain access to all these other boutique studios and ways of moving your body that, you know, you didn't have access to before. And so it was, you know, now I teach over at um, SLT and that's a, you know, Pilates-based megaformer workout. So it's really something that has always been with me and I've been able to remain consistent with it. Not because I see it as something that's going to give me, that's going to give me something. Yeah. Um, but I see it more as something that is in alignment with who I am, what I stand for. And also uh, it's, it's just a practice in the same way that prayer is a, is a practice for people you know, this, you know, working my body or moving my body joyfully in some way that I actually want to move and desire to move it um, is, is a physical practice for me. Mm-hmm. I also think about um, my aunt, she just recently passed away, but she was a professional. Sorry to hear that. It's okay. She's a professional racquetball player and she really thrived off of that. And when she passed away, she had like hundreds of medals and all these people, her friends came to her house to collect the medals. And they just tell them all these stories about like her connection to the racquetball community. Then I go on Facebook and she has like all these different people. And it also makes me think about how you start to form community in these different, you know, fitness spaces, how she had like her racquetball space. And know for me personally, I've been using the Under Armour um, track my, it's like track my something app where it's basically, it tracks like how far you run and where you run. And I started kind of forming my own community there where we're always like, yeah, you did that. Like you did your three miles and congratulating each other. So also, yeah, I also think that that, that's really cool too, to even form that community of people. I feel like that's, cool. And I think that that was one of the things that I loved most about Flywheel um, when I was working there was that it wasn't, you know, in in the earlier days, it wasn't just about, you know, getting your sweat and getting a good workout in. It was about building community and connection. Um, And as both of you know, you know, us as as human beings, as individuals, you know, we, we we're built, we're hardwired for connectivity. You know, we're hardwired for connection. And being able to have something that kind of offers you that physical component, as well as that relational component, um, is really powerful. You know, it's it's it was something that I was very proud of, mm-hmm. um, and I was very happy and proud to to kind of just be there, um, you know, as myself, but also as another black person. And therefore, there was other black people who were, you know, coming to classes and and were coming to my class and was willing to, you know, prioritize themselves because they saw somebody else prior- that, that was there that looked like them and that was also prioritizing themselves. Yep, most definitely. 
So what is some advice you have for folks wanting to get into their fitness journey during this time, like while we're in quarantine? So there's a, a few things. Thing number one is to be um, as compassionate and as kind with yourself as you possibly can. Uh, I've been saying, you know, you know, availability does not, you know, equate to capacity or capability. So even if we have been offered, I say quote unquote, offered the gift of more time or what seems like more time, doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to have the internal capacity, right? So that's that internal capability um, and availability that we have within ourselves mentally and emotionally to, to physically do things or to put ourselves out there or to connect with other people, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been calling um, COVID a, a holistic collective trauma mm. and that it's something that uh, holistically impacts us so that, like I said earlier, that physical component, that emotional, mental, spiritual, and relational component whether you have the virus, know someone who has the virus, um, your, your life has been put on pause by the virus, regardless of, of how the virus has touched you or not touched you, it has indeed touched your life to some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And it's collective in the sense that there's not a single person on this earth that isn't deeply impacted by the virus. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is a trauma, mm -hmm. right? For some of us, it's more of a big T and for some of us is more of a little t. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to be kind to yourself in the way that you show up in the face of trauma. Mm. So that means you're laying in bed way more than, than you normally would. Whether that means you know you feel like more mobilized to do more, like I know some people who have cleaned their house top to bottom every day since, since you know the virus started, right? Um, we are all showing up in various different ways and there is no right or wrong way to show up during this time. Be compassionately curious about how you're showing up and just allow, allow it to be, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that. Two, be, listen to your body and understand, um, don't push your body to do something that it doesn't want to do. You might in your mind have the idea that I'm going to start running, <laughs> Right? And I'm going to do, you know, kind of like a couch to 5K thing. But if your body is really sort of craving and desiring that you do something more easeful, like yoga, allow it to do something more easeful. You know, if you feel like, you know, you want to be, you know, more kind of turned inward and you're looking for more, you know, relaxing movements, but your body is like, we need to get up and run some miles. <laughs> Get up and run some miles. Listen to your body. Be curious around around what your body is telling you. You know, um, the longest you'll, relationship you'll ever have with your with yourself is what your well, that you'll ever have is with yourself, your body, your physical body included. And I think we get very used to um, ignoring our physical body and our physical cues when our body is trying to tell us something and communicate with us. So, regardless of what what intentions you have in, in your head or what goals you have in your head allow your body to tell you what what it is that it needs to do and i think finally um in terms of like you know your fitness journey you know little by little until a little becomes a lot you know you don't have to kind of jump into everything all at once i think being able to just do one small thing for yourself and do something that's a that's joyful you know if if running is joyful for you do the run 
if you know um doing tai chi is joyful for you do the tai chi but whatever it is don't align it with something that you have to do or align it with something that's going to make you judge critique uh be kind of mean and cruel and judgmental to yourself do something that's loving that's a loving joyful movement to your body and, and therefore a loving, joyful movement to your holistic being. Yeah. Wow. Those are some great advice. Um, and I'm excited to start working on everything you just said. Um, but um, so I, I know you kind of just gave some advice, but we always give takeaways. And I'd like to think of takeaways as like for us to like practice something um, in the middle, in the meantime of like the, the discussion we just had. So if you had to give takeaways for our listeners, is there anything else you would add? Um, I'm a big fan of uh, taking insight to action. So, you know, there's no point in gaining insight about yourself if you're not going to take action with it. And sometimes that action just means resting, mm. right? Resting with what came up for you. Um, so after you've been compassionately curious with yourself, whether or not that that's in, you know, your physical body, the emotional piece, mental piece, spiritual piece, relational piece, take that level of compassionate curiosity, garner some level of insight from that, um, maybe journal with it, maybe meditate on it, um, but then put it into action. And the action doesn't have to be big. Sometimes the action means sitting with what that means for your life and for your relationships. Yes. Are you familiar with um, the Nap Ministry, the Instagram? Yes, I am. Okay, you, now. you will love that. Okay. Just yes. Make sure. <laughs> oh, I, I'm a. I, listen, I'm a. I'm a follower and a believer of the Nap Ministry. Okay. Same. <laughs> <laughs> rest. Rest is active. Rest is active, and it's powerful and it's active, particularly for Black people and especially for Black women, mm. because we don't know how to rest. Mm -hmm. We do not. Oof, I think. Yeah. I think I've been calling, um, for, for myself, I've been saying that, you know, my experience with the coronavirus um, and the impact that it has on my life, it's, it's been divine. It's been a divine pause. Mm. Not everybody is going to, and, and this isn't to say that anybody who's listening or anybody else should feel like this is that for them, but I'm just speaking my truth and I'm speaking to my experience. This has been something that has been a divine pause. And it's allowed me to see, uh, and it's been eye-opening how much, one, I don't know how to rest, two, how much I don't recognize that I'm not resting or, or really recognizing how much I push myself at times, right? As, especially as somebody who, you know, works in fitness and is also a small business owner with my private practice, right? Um, that's, a, that's a very active life. That's a, very, that's a life that makes you go, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's made me reflect upon um, what rest really looks like for me, um, what, what, you know, easeful, easefulness kind of, and grace and, and rejuvenation kind of looks like for me. So this has really been a divine pause. And I've been very actually thankful for it because it's been the first time that I've had a divine pause or I've had some level of pause in my life that I haven't felt guilty about because, you know, everybody else is paused too. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, thank you, Alana, for your time, and we really appreciate you for joining Absolutely. Us I enjoyed speaking with you both. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of your weekend. Yes, you also. Bye-bye.
All right, Donika, what you sharing with us this week? <laughs> uh, I guess in regards to the topic fitness, um, I most definitely noticed for myself during this time of loan in the house that I've just gained a lot of weight and it's because I like, I'm used to not looking at myself as much, you know, looking at myself in the morning and maybe at night, but like now I look at myself all day. Um, and so what I've been doing is I just been trying to uh, like watch my calories because I ate, I was eating whatever I wanted and didn't realize how many calories I was eating, which is, it was absurd y'all. Um, and then because I really don't like working out. One, it sounds bad, but I don't like sweating. But no, like kind of Myra was talking about the hair thing. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to sweat too much because my hair. And then I just, I don't like feeling all sweaty and stinky and nasty. So um, I've been doing like just little YouTube uh, tutorials. This one is like Chloe Ting two-week shred. And it's real short workout, so but it's like hit. So it's moving really quickly with intervals, and you only get like 10, 15 seconds in between. I'll be sweating, y'all, and I have lost weight just doing those things. Um, yes, it's, and I haven't. What'd you say? Love to see it. Yes, well, and that's the thing, too. I look the same. I've lost nine pounds, but I still look the same. According to so, you. What'd you say? According to you. No, ain't nobody, well, one person has said, okay, you're looking a little smaller, but uh, I look the same in my opinion, but it's really not about that, and that's what, like Alana was saying, it's really about, like, the the holistic piece of it, and I do feel good, I feel like I have energy, I feel, um, I just feel good, like, that I'm moving my body, because I most definitely am, a, overall, I do move, like, I, you know, I usually go to some type, we're going kickboxing classes at first, um, I don't think I was losing no weight because one, <laughs> like I told y'all, I eat a lot. I eat a lot and I eat a lot at night and I just had to, I'm trying to do a lifestyle change at this point mm -hmm. in hopes that I can be consistent and hopes that it can help me holistically. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's my little piece. What about you, Myra? Yeah. So, um, I've always kind of been into working out since I started college cause we have that free gym membership and I just kept on going. Um, but what kept me going is I was in a psychology class and one of the professors was sharing with the class that um, ways to prevent depression or help yourself to depression is working out. And that could be if you go for it and it has to be like 30 minutes. So if you go for like a 30 minute walk, a 30 minute run. So that's why I've kind of stayed active. Um, but lately I've been using the Map My Run app by Under Armour and I just been using that to just challenge myself. Um, so I typically try to do like a six mile, so I'll break it down. Like I'll do a three mile run at the beach in the morning and then I'll do the four miles in the afternoon at like a lake or something like that. So I find it fun just like challenging yourself, um, whatever that means for you. But I want to share with y'all a cute little story time. So, and I share this story to tell you, be careful who you come across cause you never know who it is. So I first started yoga my freshman year of college and it helped me through a breakup. Like I really got into it. And I remember this one time I went and I was talking in the hallway while a yoga class was going on. And this lady came out and basically shut my shit down. Like, shut up. My class is going on, blah, blah, blah. Y'all, why did I find out this lady's my cousin? Because my aunt was like, oh, where have you been going to yoga at? And I told her, she was like, oh, X, Y, and Z person works there. That's your cousin. And I was like telling my aunt, like, are you sure? Because she was rude. 
And then I was like, but the space that I was in, I was so focused on like my inner healing and like my yoga journey where it didn't phase me. But I share that story to be, just tell y'all, be careful because you never know who you meet and in what spaces. Like this is a yoga space. You got to be welcoming. And that was not welcoming. And then find out you're my cousin. What? But anyway, um, yeah. So also, uh, yoga, Crenshaw Yoga and Dance is offering um, yoga classes online. If you can check them out, that is my home yoga studio. That is where I started. And when they open back up. Oh my goodness, is it? Huh? Is it? Yeah, that's where Fem Scholar started. So if y'all know about Fem Scholar, that's where when Fem Scholar first started, we had all our meetings there. Um, I might as well say that's where my cousin works. I won't say who she is. And that's also my yoga home. So my dad lives down the street, so I used to walk there all the time um, and go. And they're very inexpensive. And that's why I liked it because, you know, it's in a black community and it's inexpensive. So that's what I loved about it. But yeah, do you go there or something? You go for dance classes? No, but my friend, she's been telling me about this place for like six months. And as soon as I'm telling you, as soon as I'm ready to go, that's obviously when quarantine happens, but I have been seeing they've been doing lives, but I just, I keep saying I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, but then I'm always like at work or something during the time. So I really have been wanting to try some things from them. They do a lot of different stuff too. A yeah. lot of different stuff. They have, and there's so many spaces there because it seems like it's just one studio front, but when you go in the back, there's three different studios. So there's all, they have drumming circles. Um, they have all, and I want to get into drumming too. So I was like, maybe I'll try them out. So they have a lot of different things that they offer. And when I first started, the classes were $7, which is like unheard of. I don't know how much they are Absolutely. now, probably like higher. But yeah, they're $7. Yeah. What'd you say? I said, I want to say it's uh, uh, 15 or 10. It's a, it is still a nice, very reasonable price. Mm -hmm. yeah. Literally $7 when I first started. And that's why I was like, this is really cheap. Like, let me get into this. And I like that, um, although the owners are not black, they cater to black people and they care about black people. So I don't mind recognizing. I thought it was black owned, yeah. That's nah. all I've seen black people. The person that works at the front desk is the owner. <laughs> not a black person. But yeah, we're also going to be having um, Thick Girl Yoga, black yoga instructor on. So we'll pick her brain too for y'all. Donnie, did you want to add anything? No, move your bodies, move your body, and just, um, but also rest. Yeah, that piece, that was most definitely something vital that Alana said, the rest piece, because, ooh, I be feeling, I be feeling bad sometimes when I just don't do nothing, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, sometimes action is resting. I went to a conference, and, um, what did the guy say? It was like something that stood out to me where he was like, uh, he just basically talked about like how we have this grind culture. And in that grind culture, when do you have time for rest? So he was just saying like, let's shift to this heel culture versus this grind culture. And then that kind of made me think about like, um, when you're doing this healing work, like let's say for example, if you're like a therapist, if you don't take time to rest, how can you really help people heal if you're not even taking the time for you to rest? And then it makes me think about like other professions, although we might not have access to that rest. Let's start like thinking of ways that we can get a little bit of like peace with a little bit of rest. What can you do to incorporate rest into your life? Because it's so important. Absolutely. But all right, y'all, that is it for this week's episode of Black Women's Healing Pod. Um, stay tuned next week for another special episode. 
and be sure to enter into our contest. I'll post about it again. Again, I keep forgetting, but I'll post about it. And everyone who enters into the contest will get something. So, all right, y'all. Bye.